Welcome back to Podcast 68 of 2022. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us the Ozbreakers and follow us on social media slash the Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by BetRivers.com for a 100% sign-up bonus up to 250 bucks. Please visit BetRivers and use the promo code ODDS22. Terms, conditions, and location apply if you'd like to help us out with our cost sponsor, the website, and the podcast. We would love to help you out. Please visit theazbreakers.com, click shop, and become a member and pick any of our winning handicappers to get their premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Ozbreakers and become a free picks newsletter subscriber. My friends, I am back from vacation, fully recharged. <laughs> it was uh, a blast in Playa Carmen. Got to go fishing. I tweeted out uh, that Wahoo I caught. That was a wonderful little uh, 15, 20-minute fight, not too long. And we got to eat it at the restaurant. It was absolutely delicious. I brought some home as well as I gave some to the captain and the first mates on the boat so they could enjoy some. But uh, there's nothing like going out and catching your own fish and having them cook it right for you at the restaurant, at the resort. It was an amazing feeling to do that. I do that every time I get a chance to go deep sea fishing. There is absolutely nothing like the freshest fish right out of the ocean before it has a chance to be frozen or shipped. So excellent experience in Playa. The kids had a blast as well. We have a lot of great memories. A few stitches for my youngest who decided to... uh, be Superman in the kiddie pool, but uh, that we got through that uh, quickly on Saturday. Thank goodness for uh, in a very astute medical facility and great people over at the Royal Haciendas there in Playa del Carmen. Now, I know vacations are generally frowned upon <laughs> during your busiest season, but you know, there's also the fact that you have to put family first before your work or whatever you do in life, uh, your family will always be there for you. So I had no problem, you know, making the sacrifice and doing so. And I was able to, you know, take as much time as I could to stay obviously in the game when it comes to uh, football, college and NFL. Now, when I was traveling in August, that's kind of when my baseball uh, took a little bit of a turn, and I'm glad I didn't make many bets after that because once I kind of got off the baseball train, you know, looking at box scores, seeing where teams were at, keeping up with the injuries, it, it takes a long time to get back into it. So instead, I just pivoted right into MNFL preseason football, which has been uh, a very profitable thing for us this year. As a matter of fact, counting the NFL preseason, I currently stand 37, 25, and 2 at 59.6%, up about 20 units. Our our uh, parlays were 3 for 1. We won, lost our first one last week. I rarely do parlays. I did a little bit more in the preseason. 
my teasers are suffering a little bit this year at one four in one we pushed on our refuse to lose teaser last week because kansas city uh made a very stupid decision and instead of kicking the extra point to go up by eight andy reed tried to make it a two score game with i believe over five minutes left now i believe that is the wrong thing to do you don't try to make it a two score game yourself Instead, you kick the extra point and put the pressure on them to win the two-point conversion. That's kind of like a 50-50 thing, you know. The the reason you don't go up by two scores there is because you are giving up the ball. They can also possibly get an onside kick after that. And if you're missing, you're giving them an easy tie by getting the touchdown. And I'm also a believer in momentum. Missing that two-point conversion, I think, gave the Raiders some momentum to come down and score, which obviously gave them the ability of go to go for their own two-point conversion to win the game. Thank goodness they didn't make it. But I think that was completely the wrong choice by uh, Andy Reid. My friends, we have a great show for you today because Brian Edwards from Vegas Insider and Major Wager is coming on to break down a huge slate in college football week seven. Massive games this weekend. Utah versus USC hosting USC. Tennessee hosting Alabama. Penn State, Michigan. Clemson, Florida State. We have a massive slate of games and no better person than Brian Edwards to come on and help us break down these matchups and find some plays for our Saturday sports betting adventures. Before Brian comes on, I'm actually going to get in to the full slate of NFL games. And I must admit, I could have done better last week, ended up 6-4 in one. Uh, actually, 6-4 and two, counting the push I suppose on the teaser but I feel like I made some errors in taking last year's information a little bit too seriously even though we have a decent sample size for the metrics for 2022 you know there's a couple plays that I made that were wrong because I wasn't trusting my metrics from this year compared to what they were last year and the difference in some of these teams. I mean, you can see how poor the Rams are this year just based upon the numbers. You can see that the Giants are definitely a much better team than they were last year. Uh, Obviously, over the past five weeks of the NFL season, right? In my opinion, I should have been focused a little bit more, but you know what? I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at in the NFL, and I'm very excited now to be using more of my 2022 metrics uh, without the 2021 being nearly as big of an influence. So getting into the NFL, I'm going to focus a little bit more on a stat that I mentioned to you last year 
that I'm going to mention again because I think it's an ignored stat that's been around forever. It's a dinosaur, and no, it's not yards per play. It's yards per point. I think it's very, very underrated. The reason that it's underrated is because a lot of people look too much at EPA, right? I like EPA, and I use it a little bit in my handicaps, but yards per point tells you what you truly are, right? I mean, let's look at EPA. Yes, each play is worth something, and that's what EPA does a good job of, right? Getting six yards on third and eight isn't good, but getting four yards on second and three is, and that's what you should be judging. But at the same time, scoring the football in the end zone or in the field goal is more valuable. And people like to try to, I guess, promote the new stuff to make them sound smart. Maybe I don't know what it is. And I fall into that trap too. And there is some value to that information, but not as much as something like yards per point. Yards per point will tell you if you have a bad field goal kicker, right? Yards per point will tell you if you can't finish in the red zone. EPA doesn't always show that. You know, if you're great at taking the ball from your own 10-yard line to your to their 10-yard line, that's great. But if you're going for it on fourth down and screwing up and messing up in the red zone, missing field goals, how is that going to help you win money handicapping games? You know, so I'm going to look a little bit more at yards per point just for this podcast, uh, just to kind of show you how these teams really separate themselves. And I'm going to use it to give you some of my thoughts on these handicaps. I have already made probably five to seven NFL plays. And during this segment, I'm going to give you two of them. Let's first look at the Washington Commanders versus the Chicago Bears. The Bears are laying minus one. The total's 38. You know, (laughs) these teams stink. (laughs) And uh, if you're still using power ratings, completely fine with whatever you want to do. But I have Washington and Chicago, two of the three worst teams in the league. When it comes to those outliers, especially on the bad side of them, the predictability gets a little bit tougher because the confidence level in the spreads are lower. You know, Uh, you don't know what you're going to get. A lot of people, a lot of smart people have a rule where if they're just two really bad teams and they're pretty close to each other, you always just take the dog. Well, the dog's only one point here, and this game is in Chicago. I suppose the spread is telling you that the Bears are slightly better than the Commanders, and I don't disagree with that. My formula has the Bears winning this game by 3.5 points if I give the Bears 1.5 points of home field advantage. But did I bet the Bears even though my number is 3.5? I did not. At least I didn't yet. You know, the confidence level is low when these teams have so much high variance. Both of these teams have been historically bad in turning the ball over. This year, Washington is second to last in turnover margin, minus 1.4. The Bears are actually dead even in turnover margin, but they have been bad in the past, and Justin Fields is prone to turn the ball over. 
So my confidence level in the spread itself, even though the total is pretty low at 38 points, is uh, kind of a stay away. At least right now it is. I think that if you look at Carson Wentz for as bad of a quarterback as he is this year, I mean, this dude was looked at as a top quarterback three, four years ago. Remember that, okay? But we kind of found out that wasn't true. But he's also playing a little bit worse than what he really is, probably. But I have to rank him better than Justin Fields right now. Now, Justin Fields has the potential to be better than Carson Wentz and maybe even be an above-average quarterback. He certainly has a potential. We don't know yet. New system, new GM, new coach. Last year was a dumpster fire for the whole team under Matt Nagy. But right now, if you are placing these quarterbacks next to each other, you're taking Carson Wentz in the NFL for his experience, right? So that's another reason. I have the quarterback better for the commanders and Ron Rivera coming back to Chicago where he played football, where he was a defensive coordinator, is going to be very motivated to have this team going. He's the next coach probably on the hot seat here to get fired. Even after saying all that, I have a strong lean to the show Bears being that. My number is minus 3.5. Let's move on to the next game, Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. Tampa Bay is minus 8 in Pittsburgh, total 44. Kenny Pickett is the quarterback for the Steelers, which if you remember last week, I said I cannot, <laughs> I cannot say that's an upgrade over Mitch right now. Maybe in the future it is. But unfortunately for me, my algorithm has this at Tampa Bay minus 8.5 points. So I am literally right on this spread. 8.465 is what my uh, line is giving Pittsburgh once again 1.5 points for home field advantage. Now, I make slight adjustments to my numbers based upon home field advantage, but the NFL is all pretty close this year, in my opinion, around 1.5. Tampa Bay is a tough team to figure out because they're playing a little bit slower. They're not covering as many spreads. They're not quite as good as they were. They're against a good passing team. They can get roughed up. The Pittsburgh is definitely not a good passing team, but they do have a ton of talent at receivers. Is Kenny Pickett going to finally have a good enough game? But Tampa Bay is okay with winning this game by two points. They're okay with winning this game by four points. They're okay with winning this game by seven points, you know, and they they might even be okay with uh, taking off the gas and allowing Pittsburgh to possibly backdoor this. In saying that, I still lean Tampa Bay minus eight right now because Pittsburgh Steelers is one of my bottom four worst teams in the whole NFL this year. But what I will say is Tampa Bay may be a teaser leg Wink, wink for a little bit later in this show. The New York Jets versus the Green Bay Packers. This thing is down to minus seven. Packers and DraftKings minus 115. Total is at 45. The Jets have been playing amazingly, right? I mean, their offense is humming. (laughs) The Packers, what was that last week? You go up by like 21 points or whatever it was and just completely give it away the whole second half. It's almost like they're the, they were the Eagles this week, you know, that great game plan and then kind of screwing up at the end 
once the other team figures them out. Well, the problem with the Packers is what I said before, laying big spreads with them doesn't always work out well for you um, because they play so slow and they don't have the time to cover the margin in many cases, especially when their defense is looking like Swiss cheese. <laughs> uh, no pun intended there in cheese land. But the Jets offense is looking pretty good and they're looking pretty motivated. The Jets defense hasn't been good, but you have to appreciate what the Jets have been doing this year. You know, yards per point. Let's bring that up. What is the Jets yards per point? They ranked 12th at 15.3. That's not too bad when Joe Flacco was playing two or three of those games. Maybe it was four even. Maybe it was, I think it was three, but still, that's not bad. Green Bay's yards per point, 18.7. Okay. Opponent yards per point. Well, that's where the Jets normally hurt, and they only rank 28th, allowing 13.6 yards per point. Not good. But the Green Bay Packers are only 19th at 15.8. Now, Green Bay should be reeling after that last loss. But I think uh, the Jets should be also, also riding momentum. So can you give Green Bay a big spot play on this? Probably not. They struggle against... A backup quarterback at home versus New England. They struggled against Tampa Bay when they are completely injured. They beat Chicago well. That's fine. But then they, they also lost bad to Minnesota. <laughs> I think this spread should be more in the fives than at the seven range. Next game, we have the 49ers at the Falcons. Falcons plus five and a half. The total is 44.5. You know, a lot of people could say that the 49ers had a big win, easy win. And that the 49ers might have a look ahead here going uh, to the Chiefs. But you can also say that when the Niners stay on the East Coast, they tend to do pretty well. Chris threw out a stat saying that the Niners are 4-0 and after staying on the East Coast in both of those games last couple years against the spread. Kind of a small sample size there, but I find that very interesting. You know, I like it when teams stay away from their home when they're on a business trip because they're taking care of business. I think it's a pretty good spread at 5.5 right now. I anticipated the line going farther down with Atlanta, but Atlanta also isn't exactly one of my favorite teams or best teams. As a matter of fact, they really got out game last week against the Tampa Bay Bucks. So they have a lot of injuries. Kyle Pitts, Drake London should play, but yeah, they're uh, quite beat up, especially at running back. Next game, the Ravens at the Giants. Looks like some Ravens money is coming in. But uh, this Giants team, like I said earlier, overachieving, you know. But is it really overachieving or just they have a better coach in Brian Dayball? You know, think about that. You know, Baltimore in yards per point, not all that great themselves. They seem to be a really good first half team, but then they kind of disappear. Let the leads go away. They're number two in yards per point. But man, 
on the opponent side, they're number 13 in opponent yards per point. Definitely an above average team. Crazy how they lost that game to Miami. They did beat the crap on New England when they went there, though, didn't they? They were able to hold their own against Cincinnati, and thank goodness we had that plus uh, 3.5 on Cincinnati that game. But uh, do I dare go against Baltimore two weeks in a row (laughs) is the question. You know, the Giants aren't too bad. Uh, 10th in opponent yards per point. And in their own yards per point, I know that they're doing pretty well. 21st, all right, not pretty well, a little bit below average, but but the Giants are an average team. I mean, they are. Next game, the Minnesota Vikings versus the Miami Dolphins. And it was just announced that most likely Reach for the Skyler is going to be starting for Miami. If you don't know what Reach for the Skyler is, Skyler Thompson, it's an old South Park reference. <laughs> but... I agree with the line move here as soon as he was announced most likely to start because the Vikings should be able to beat him. If it was Teddy Bridgewater, this should be a 2.5 point spread. Uh, but with Skylar Thompson, yeah, it's a a good 10% percentage change going from two and a half to three so or three and a half. So I, I agree with the line move, but do I want to take the Vikings and Kirk Cousins on the road laying over three, eh. <laughs> not so much. The problem with your metrics is that when the quarterback changes, it does throw it off a bit. You know, you have to try to adjust a little bit different when you're doing it with power ratings than you are with an actual algorithm. Next, we have the Bengals versus the Saints. The Bengals are minus two. The total is 43 in this game. I mean, this is simple to me. The Bengals are practicing in a dome. Really love that. And two of their best players, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow, played for LSU. It's almost like they're coming home. They're going to need a big game to show on the Saints. The Saints, they're a little bit banged up. Marshawn Lattimore is questionable, right? And if Marshawn Lattimore is not playing... I think that Jamar Chase is going to have a field day. But also, if you look at the Saints, Michael Thomas still banged up. You know, Peyton Turner, the defensive end. They had a couple linemen out. You still have those cornerbacks on IR. (laughs) Man, they're just not the same team. And it's probably going to be Andy Dalton this week. I have no problem laying the two with the Cincinnati Bengals here. I think it's going to be a simple win for them. Coming off a loss, I like it. Next game. We have the Patriots at the Browns. This is an interesting game to me because you have a low total of 42.5. And no, sorry, that just climbed to (laughs) 43.5. So I was going to give you a play on this, but I think I still will because it's I like it to a certain number. But uh, the Browns are favored minus two and a half. It's three in some books. It looks like there's money kind of coming back and forth on uh, some sharp sides here. Um, some of uh, the Patriots just got hit knocking it down a little bit. I got to tell you, Bailey Zappi is getting a lot of credit. 
Um, lots of questions. I think it's Zappy plays this game. The Mac Jones, no chance in my opinion with a high ankle sprain. He's back, but um, I have this game pretty close to a pick em. I think I have the Browns favored by a little bit here. Just to uh, give you my exact number, I have the Browns. Sorry, I have the Patriots favored by one point, but yeah, close to pick them here. Too close to make any uh, side plays. So basically, it looks like the market moved agreed with my Patriots lean. The Lions should have scored some points last game, all right, against the Patriots. They gained over 300 yards, okay? So I lost that over last week. But um, Cleveland's a pretty fast-paced team. They rank fifth in place. So the reason this total is low is because they're both running teams. But they're dang good at it. I mean, the Browns have have had a pretty easy strength of schedule this year, and that's why their numbers aren't really matching up for them to be above a three. But what I'm looking at is the defense. If you look at some of the advanced stance, the Browns rank dead last in rush EPA. That's 32nd. And the Patriots rank 27th. So even though these are running teams, they're going to have some success against each other. Now, if you want to look at points, the Browns are averaging 26.6 points per game. The Patriots are at 20.6. The weather's looking really good in Cleveland. I like this over all the way up to 45 points. My number for my algorithm is actually 50. Probably have to understand that these are running teams, so... Would I bet it up to 47? Probably not. But my exact number that was spit out is 50 points. I'm taking this over 42, 43.5 right now uh, for two stars. One more thing I want to add is that this Patriots defense is overrated now, being that they uh, only allowed a, a goose egg to 300-some yards from the Detroit Lions last week. You know, very misleading in my opinion. So that's the reason why this was hit to the over. I still like it at 43.5. Make sure you get that before it goes up even higher for two stars. Next game, let's move on to the Jaguars versus the Colts. The Colts minus two, total 42. I mean, the metrics say to bet Jacksonville minus 4.5. Why am I not betting Jacksonville? Well, I kind of am betting Jacksonville. I'm waiting on more money to come in on the Colts. If I can get a flat three, I am going to be betting on Jacksonville. You hope that Trevor Lawrence doesn't blow it and completely uh, turn the ball over like he has over the last couple games. He has not been handling adversity correctly, in my opinion, losing. You know, but... My concern is Shaq Leonard coming back to play for the Colts. I think he's a massive part of this defense. He went in one game and then was out right away for a concussion. So I just think that he's the leader, the Mike linebacker here that could turn everything around for the Colts and how bad they started. This is probably correct um, if Shaq Leonard's playing, but if he's not, I'll probably bet the Jaguars. But instead, the Jaguars might be a little bit of a piece of a teaser that I'm going to use later. The Carolina Panthers plus 10 and a half against the LA Rams. 
Oh, the Rams. I really messed up with them last week. I am not going to let this happen again. Sometimes you got to get a little dirty before you get clean. Something is very wrong with this Rams team. There's just, I mean, not good. They are just not even an average team. And you have a five-week sample size. You look and they've been banged up, missing a couple of centers. You know, let me pull up the injury report and go over a little bit more real quick here. I think it's important. Taylor Rapp, their safety is questionable. David Edwards just got put on injured reserve, one of their guards. David Long, Kobe Durant, cornerback's questionable. Uh, Their other center, Brian Allen, is questionable after they lost Coleman Shelton. Jordan Fuller on injured reserve. And remember, all the guys from before are still on IR. Not sure if they're even not ready. They're not ready to come back. Van Jefferson, plus the guys they lost last year to retirement and free agency. No Von Miller. Yeah, this Rams team's on a massive Super Bowl hangover here. Now, the thing with Carolina is, are they the worst team in the league? I don't have them as the worst team in the league. I think I have them bottom five. You know, but this is a great spot play for when a coach gets fired. You know, Matt Rule was fired. What happens when your coach gets fired? Think about what how you would react. You'd have to play out of your minds to prove that it wasn't you, right? You don't want to be jobless next year. You want to play for the NFL. I mean, that's what's going through your mind, whether that's true or not, that's going to happen. But human psychology... This is proven to be a real trend. And in my opinion, P.J. Walker isn't as bad as you really think. The kid's been in this system for a very long time. You know, I don't think Baker Mayfield's all that good. How much are you downgrading them? Why why is this a 10.5 point spread? You know, just with how bad the Rams have been playing, my actual algorithm number is the Rams by like three points, not 10.5, okay? That's massive. You know, Carolina's bad, but this is a spot, and they have some talent on this team. They are healthier, minus Baker Mayfield, than the Rams. They still have Davis as wide receiver, right? They still have CMC as a running back. I think they can do a little bit of damage here, and I think they're going to get up for this game. The Rams are playing in their own heads. Take the Panthers plus 10.5 for two stars. Last week, fucked around and got a triple-double. Next game, we have the Arizona Cardinals at the Seattle Seahawks. This is such an interesting game. I think Arizona has not been healthy this year. I think... uh, They've, I guess you would say they've underachieved, but I don't think that they're all that good of a team anyway, but they're in Seattle. And even though Geno Smith has proven to be an NFL quarterback, their defense is terrible. Absolutely terrible. You saw what the Lions did against them. You saw what Andy Dalton just did against them. They're so bad. And if all it takes is one hiccup for them to lose this game, if they can't 
keep driving. This total went down to 50 and a half because I just think all NFL totals are hitting under. There is absolutely no way at gunpoint you could bring me to bet this under. As a matter of fact, from an actual uh, numbers algorithm-wise, I have this at 56.89 points. I have this close to a pick'em. Arizona as actually a one-point dog, but I think Arizona getting healthier should be able to come and uh, you know put up a number that is needed to beat this Seattle team. Now, I know that Seattle kicked the crap out of them last year at the end of the year, and I think it really screwed Arizona over for home field advantage. So if you want to try to factor in something that's unquantifiable as revenge, go ahead and do that. But it looks like the market's kind of doing that, being that this is at minus uh, 2.5 anyway. Matt Pratter, the place kicker, is still questionable for Arizona. And uh, some other guys should be coming back. I, I am concerned for the James Conner and Daryl Williams, though. They're both questionable uh, to play this game. Uh, even though Connor kind of checked out okay, it's one of those rib injuries that you never can really trust. But I'm going to lean to Arizona, assuming Connor's going to play. Assuming AJ Green's fine, it looks like he's going to play. It looks like uh, Marquise Brown's fine, and he's going to play as well. And even their very speedy Rondell Moore uh, should be back for this game as well next game buffalo versus kansas city this is the big game coming on buffalo minus 2.5 minus 120 it's going to teeter between three and two and a half this whole week i mean buffalo's unquantifiable really for me it's like one of those teams that either blow teams away or lose outright everybody's going to be talking about the revenge spot for buffalo for missing the super bowl or missing the opportunity to play the Bengals to get the Super Bowl because they play the Bengals. They're probably going to be in the Super Bowl. But um, there's that crazy overtime game that happened and how they gave it up. I don't, I, don't, I don't see how you can bet Kansas City, even though Kansas City is awesome. Kansas City came back against the Raiders last week. The Raiders completely choked that game away. Yet, Kansas City is a better team than the Raiders, so it's hard to say. I think Buffalo should have learned how to guard Kelsey. But if they can't get to Mahomes and he gets open, that could spell danger, you know, him rolling out to the right for Buffalo because he's just going to be able to pick a receiver. Buffalo's secondary is still very, very injured. So that's how they could lose this game. But metrically, Buffalo's off the charts. I have them winning this game by like, nine points <laughs> you know uh, that's how good metrically this team has really been with the five game sample size this is one that i wouldn't make a line ever close to that but you know maybe under the three there is some value on the buffalo bills then you have dallas versus the philadelphia eagles minus six uh total is 42.5 this opinion this is just how i'm going to do it like i did last week the, I'm probably going to take the Eagles in the first half, hopefully find a three. I don't want to do it at three and a half, but the Eagles have been a fantastic first half team, but they've been suffering uh, during the second half. To be honest with you, this spread is higher than my number. Most of this 
is without Dak Prescott. And to be honest with you, Dak Prescott's numbers were bad before he got injured. So I find that really interesting. I actually only have this as a four-point spread. So that I am starting to lean Dallas, in my opinion, uh, as this spread goes up. And if this hits six and a half, it's going to be tough for me to not bet Dallas in this situation. And finally, Denver Broncos versus the LA Chargers. I have a premium play on this one, so I am not doing anything as of right now. All right, time for our refuse to lose teaser. That's only one, three, and one this year. We are going to go, like I said, with Tampa Bay, take them all the way down to minus two with Jacksonville all the way up to plus 8.5 or eight is fine, depending upon the line. I like this one a lot. I think Jacksonville is good enough to keep this at least close, if not win outright. Tampa Bay is just too good to play against a terrible team in Pittsburgh. Do this for 2.5 stars. Now it's time to bring our guest, Mr. Brian Edwards from Major Wager and Vegas Insider. Now I'm very excited to welcome back a great college football mind and great friend of the show. You've heard him many times on sports radio broadcasts and podcasts across the country. You can find some of his great work at Vegas Insider and MajorWager.com. I'm very happy to welcome back Mr. Brian Edwards from Major Wager and Vegas Insider. You can follow him on Twitter at Vegas B. Edwards, my man. Brian, how you doing? Good, Kev. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm like, dude, I'm so pumped up for this week. We have an amazing slate of college football games, and there's no better man to bring on than yourself, Brian. Thank you so much for coming to join us. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Uh, my uh, college picks are slumping hard, so hopefully you, uh, <laughs> this appearance will snap me out of it. Well, well, there you go, because mine are slumping a little bit too. There's been a lot of parody this year, some bad beats, not getting the coin flips that I was hoping for, a little bit. In, I, I'm doing well in the NFL, but college, it needs some help. But, Same. but well, good, good. See, one kind of helps the other out in these times of need but you're the sec man and we have some great games coming up but before we get into that brian i do have a question for you uh being that we're like in the middle of the season do you have any advice or some things that betters could look out for or use to their advantage huh just just generally um yeah. i would yeah i would say you know you got to be on top of injuries you know injuries are piling up and obviously we've got a ton of the quarterback position this week and um you know i would say i mean i'm sure a lot of people would think the Bryce Young's the most important one but in terms of like downgrading a team from their regular quarterback to their backup quarterback i think Will Levis's absence is the biggest one um I mean, I think his absence is worth more than seven points because um, the backup, and I, I don't want to knock the kid because it was his first, like, I don't know. If he had had a career snap before, I wasn't aware of it. He had not recorded a career stat. He did not have a rushing attempt or a uh, passing attempt going into last week. Um, and, you know, they get double digitized by South Carolina, who they were a double-digit favorite over before Levis's injury news came out, or at least the non-dislocated finger in his non-throwing hand, at least. So, yeah, a lot of injuries. you got to stay on top of them. Illinois is a team that's got some big injuries going into Minnesota or the Minnesota game. Isaiah Williams and Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito. Uh, so, yeah, injuries and, um, yeah, 
That's, that's one good thing. No, I agree. And I was going to say injuries, but there's also overreaction to some injuries. So the market's going to react certain ways. And sometimes people treat quarterbacks like in the NFL's treated. But you have to understand a lot of these are systems. And when you have a good coach and you have a good backup, that's where you have to make the decision if you can find value maybe going the other way because maybe this team is actually pretty good. Sikowski, I believe, is uh, you know not a good quarterback, but he's one that's played for Rutgers for a long time that's backing up for Illinois. Uh, you look for Kansas. Uh, uh, I think his name's Bean. Oh, yeah, Bean was great last week. He's great last week, and he's, he has three years under his belt at North Texas and two years at Kansas with the Lance Leopold system. I'm not sure I downgrade him a whole ton here. I know Dylan Gabriel's back for Oklahoma, but that's another one that you have to think about a little bit here. You know, Kansas is reeling after that game. Um, I'm really curious about Devin Leary. Um, it's weird. I, the spread flopped. It went to five, and now it's back down to three and a half here. Syracuse as a favorite here. I'm not. Do you have any thoughts on him playing? Yeah, I don't think he's going to play, but um, they have a couple other guys banged up that it sounds like they are uh, going to play um, the running back and, um, oh gosh, the receiver who um, is slipping my memory at the moment, but I've got it right here. Um, yeah, Devin Carter, uh, sounds like he's going to be good to go. Um, and, uh, the running back with the, uh, hyphenated double last name. I'm not even going to butcher it. <laughs> I think it's like sumo car or something. It's pretty hard to say. There you go. I'll let you handle that. <laughs> you know, you'll let me mess it up, but yeah, man, I, it's, that's a great point. Look at injuries and try to find the overreaction spot. So that could, could be some, uh, a possibly easy handicap. If you think, you know, something about that second string guy, check, check out some, uh, you know, some of some sports betters that might be fans of that team and really understand what's going on. I'm not sure if I trust beat writers completely, but you always got to see what they have to say. And weather's the other thing. And it's not necessarily this weekend, but it's getting cold out there in some of those states. A little bit of wind, a little bit of rain. Yeah, I, I, mean, I haven't like, gone to weather.com for Provo, but, you know, it's a brutal spot for Arkansas going into altitude, getting on an airplane for the third time in four weeks, and I would guess it's probably going to be a little chilly maybe in Provo. I don't even – I'm not even sure what, if that's a, a night kickoff, but if it is, that's all the better for BYU. Um, but, yeah, I just thought I'd point that one out. That, that's just one we – I think we talked about that one in August. Uh just a horrific scheduling situation for the Razorbacks. And then the fact that K.J. Jefferson, um, I mean, I think he's going to play this week. Uh, he was actually cleared to play last week, but I thought that was a sound decision by Sam Pittman. I just don't think you need to be playing guys one week off of concussion these days. Yeah, that's true, especially with what's going on in the NFL. Uh, man, Arkansas, they have been disappointing to me after that. That first- is a three thirty Eastern kick. Sorry to cut you off just – no, that's three thirty Eastern. So at least it's yeah. So one thirty, one thirty. So that that's good for Arkansas. Yeah, one thirty Mountain Time in uh, Mormon Country. There, it, it's uh, you know a, a, a game that if they won last game, it was circled for a fade spot for me. But now I'm not so sure. So that's interesting that you brought that up. Um, I think the KJ Jefferson news is really what's going to move this line anyway. So let's wait on that and uh, see what happens. Let's talk a little bit of SEC, Brian. And this game is always a good one every year. LSU traveling to the swamp 
to face your Florida Gators. I'm starting out with your team right off the bat, my man. Give it to me. How are the Gators going to take care of business here? I got minus three. I think that's where it's at. You might be able to hunt for a two and a half. uh, Total 51 and a half. Uh, This game is such a hard pass for me. I just don't think you can trust either one of these teams. Um, I might be looking to do something in-game, depending on how the game is going. Florida's lost three heartbreakers in a row uh, to LSU. The 2019 LSU team that I uh, will say is the greatest college football team of my lifetime, Burroughs' senior year, um, Florida had a uh, seven-point lead midway through the third quarter of that game. Uh, LSU scored 14 unanswered, was up seven. Um, they're like, uh, gosh, I want to say, uh, it's been a while, but I want to say there's like six, seven minutes left and we had a, uh, third and goal play and Trask got intercepted. Uh, and then there at the goal line, uh, late, uh, we went forward on fourth and goal and got stopped by, stopped by one and, uh, or at the one yard line. So we lost by 14, but it was a push, uh, as a 14 point dog. And then, uh, two years ago, and, you know, I'm not trying to be a cop-out. They, they won fair and square. They had a lot of guys hurt as well. But um, they had to have, like, seven flute plays go their way. I mean, there was one where, you know, the ball, Kadarius Tony's on the sideline, and it, like, it like uh, hits his hand, and then it hits his helmet, and then it, like, deflects off an LSU player's hand and then he gets deflected back in bounds and then this one guy comes diving in and gets one foot in on an interception and there was a pick six florida got stopped on fourth and goal the one and then those kicks in the fog kate york makes his and apparently mcpherson missed his but nobody ever saw it because you couldn't see the field um so anyhow that was a, a tough one and uh, I was actually on board for Mullen resting pits in that game because we had Alabama and Atlanta the next week. But at halftime, I was like, you better dress his ass out now. And um, and then last year, um, Richardson played the best uh, game of his career, but Florida nonetheless lost uh, 49-42. And then find out after the game, they'd already fired Orgeron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know uh, one hit wonder almost. <laughs> I mean, he's been around, but... It was just so funny to see the dynamic of him being such a good guy, I guess, head coach when his team's good and his coordinators are good at pulling it together. But if he doesn't have the good coordinators, he's worthless. <laughs> it's kind of. He lost to Randa. And I, mean, I know Joe Brady wasn't technically the coordinator, it was Insminger. But uh, yeah, when he lost those two guys, that thing went south fast. That's for sure. But, you know, I'm going through that with my Badgers, a little coaching uh, shift. That was uncharacteristically, I guess, uh, done through the midseason. But to be honest with you, if you asked me two years ago, even after the 2020 letdown season of COVID, I would have said you're crazy to fire Paul Chris. But now I'm like, I think it was the right move, and you know. So- and I think you set Leonard up to get the job because the schedule's getting easier now. I think he'll do a good job, and I don't even think you'll have to do a search. And I think he'll be your next guy. Uh, you put my cons- conspiracy hat on. I think you're right on with uh, some of those plans that we might not have known of earlier this year. Yeah, Leonard looks like he kind of fit right in, said no to a bunch of jobs, kind of head scratcher, could have made some big money and uh, stayed around Wisconsin. But this game here, I mean, LSU has some injuries at safety. Uh, Armani Goodwin was their main 
running back, he's out, but let's face it, it's Jaden Daniels, right? He's their main running back for LSU, the quarterback. Same kind of thing with, you know, Florida, but I, the Florida actually has some running backs. So, you know, uh, I, I like Florida's rushing game better. They are 6.4 yards per rush. I think Florida's got the more ex, uh, explosive offense, but Florida's defense, like advanced metrics, looks, ter- looks terrible. Uh, you know, they're, they're ranked in like the hundreds for defensive success. Third year in a row. Third yeah. year in a row. Here, here's where I find a little bit of hope for the Gators, and it's more of a creative, artistic type of handicap. I just feel, Brian, that they play down to their competition, and they play up to their competition. You know, I mean, we don't do A plus B equals C when we handicap games, but they did play Tennessee tough in Tennessee. LSU just got their asses kicked at home versus the Vols. You know, Florida. Well, that's the big- I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Everything I'm saying, they beat Utah at home, which pissed me off because I big swing for me that day. (laughs) Great number on Utah too, man. Uh, I thought about you as soon as that happened. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's kind of who they are. They they step up to big teams and step down to little teams. Now, if you can quantify. That's Billy Napier's formula. I mean, mean, here's so many games he had. Like, just for instance, last year at UL Lafayette, uh, minus 12.5 at South Alabama, wins by two. Minus 18 at Arkansas State, wins by one. Uh, minus seven at Georgia State, wins by four. Um, but then he's plus four and a half to Liberty. He wins by four touchdowns. He's plus two and a half to App State, wins by eight. They should have won that game by way more than eight. Um, he's a 26-point favorite at Nichols, wins by three. A 14-and-a-half-point favorite of Georgia Southern wins by eight. I mean, oh, a five-point dog to App State wins by four touchdowns. That's just kind of how you, Billy you, Napier is. Is He recruits well. He motivates well. But he's a, just an abysmal play caller. He's got to hire an OC. And he's um, he makes just horrendous clock management and game management uh, decisions. And I hope that, that all that would just go away. I knew better though, and uh, he's recruiting well. But it, uh, yeah, I mean, well, Louisiana Monroe too. I think he was like a twenty-some point favorite, and they won by like three points or something. I'm, I'm just going off rem- memory here. I thought right. that I thought that was last year. Uh, ULM. Uh, yeah, you're correct. Did I not say that one? Twenty-one and a half point favorite wins by five. Yeah, yep, you missed that one. That that's one I remember because I bet on him that day. So right. that one that hurt extra. Uh, no, but you know, I'm just gonna say explosive plays wise, it's the Gators. Can they stop Jaden? Da- Jaden Daniels. Uh, who who did the Gators play as a running quarterback? This uh, Levis didn't run the ball at all. He freaking threw the ball and beat the Gators. So Hooker. Yeah, I, I guess Hendon Hooker. Uh, you know, so, uh, but, but they, well, can, they but they didn't stop them, you know? And so the question is, are they, yeah. gonna, are they going to be good enough to stop uh, Jaden Daniels? So, but are they going to be, you know, who did they play besides maybe Florida state uh, that has a running quarterback? Really nobody either, you know, I guess hooker, but you know, that's it, you know? So I don't know. I, if this thing gets down to two, I would probably buy Florida, but you know, it right now it's probably in La La Land, but I'll move on. Let's go with a game you requested. And I love the fact that 
you requested this one. You made me think I was talking to Kyle Hunter or something. Uh, Charlotte versus UAB. And his spread is like uh, Kyle's having a Kyle's having another monster season, by the way. He's he's very, very good. Dude, he's killing it, man. Kyle's I'm so proud of that guy. Uh his totals are fantastic, but he's winning some sides too. Uh he's wonderful at college sports, both uh basketball and football. But you requested UAB minus 23 and a half total 63 and a half. Tell me you have something if we're going to talk about this game. Yeah. Yeah. I bet over 62 early in the week, but, uh, and 63 is a multiple of seven. So therefore a key number on a total. So if you're 63 and a half and you're going to go with what I'm suggesting by that half point to 63, I like the over the overs hitting five in a row. For Charlotte, those combined scores have been 65, 77, 83, 76, and 76. They are dead last in the country, 131 out of 131 FBS teams in scoring defense. They give up 46.3 points per game. They're number 130 in both total defense and run defense, and they're ranked 120 in pass defense. And they've got three starters on the defensive side that are listed questionable. Uh, they're not be able to stop UAB running the ball. UAB's ninth in the country in rushing yards, 35th in scoring with its 34.6 points per game average. Now, albeit at some smaller numbers, but the over's also hitting back-to-back games for UAB. And look, Charlotte, <clears throat> quarterback Chris Reynolds, he's got some good receivers, and he is really good. He's a really good quarterback. So, he, you know, it's not like you're depending everything on UAB. Uh, and then I was trying to look up um, – uh, the team totals, uh, I, I might be interested in UAB's team totals over in the first half in the game, but uh, I wasn't able to find them earlier, so I don't have those handy. Um, but anyhow, uh, definitely the over for the game and possibly UAB's team total over in the first half in the game, but I don't have that number yet, those numbers yet. I like the team total over the first half. I don't know if I trust uh, Charlotte to score much against UAB. I know UAB's defense is taking a hit, but Charlotte's just ugh. Uh, that that's always my problem with the, some of these fast-paced, uh, low-tier uh, teams. They can just be so inefficient that they're just going back and forth from the thirty to the thirty-yard line and choking out. But uh, you got a good number. I think I think Charlotte will score on UAB. Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, no. I will say UAB did hold Georgia Southern to 21. Georgia Southern scored a lot more than that average-wise. But Rice got, what, 34? Am I reading that right? Or is that 28? 28-24 Rice, I believe that's right. But anyway. All right, Charlotte about 66th in pace. But, yeah, that defense is Swiss cheese. 131st in defensive passing play success rate. 120. Eighth in total success rate on defense. They're going to get scored upon bad. The question is if uh, UEB can let off the gas and if they do let off the gas here in this big total. But it's moved in your direction, so I re- I recommend what Brian says. Uh, find a sixty three. Let's move on to the next game. And I got to ask you, who do you hate more, Brian, uh, the semis or the Vols? Oh, uh, you know, I had that question presented to me in the 1999 national title game, and I, uh, I decided, I decided, I hate the semis way more. So I was, I was, I might have even sung Rocky. I might have sang Rocky Top a couple times that night uh, when the rooster and the semis got worked out in uh, Tempe. Wow, there you go. Him singing Rocky Top. That's got to be. Uh, that's something I would love to see on video if there's one out there. But uh, <laughs> no videos of that one. 
<laughs> Let's see what the video is going to show this game. Clemson versus Florida State. Florida State, a home dog, plus three and a half. The total is 51. I'm going to be honest with you. I tried to fade Clemson. Part of the reason maybe why I'm losing, but I tried to fade him last week against uh, NC State. I, I thought that they are the no, Boston College. Or sorry, or, oh no, or, sorry, two weeks ago against NC State. I, I I didn't fade him against Boston College. It was an ugly game, but I would have if uh, did they cover that? Um, they were they barely got they they covered it, but it was late. And Boston College, as if they're not snake bitten enough with injuries, they had some even more uh, uh, late scratch injuries of some starters last week. I feel so bad for Zay Flowers and Phil Dracovic. Yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, Georgia Tech. Is when I faded him. I think I lost thirty one. Was the uh, was, oh you were ahead of the number by a bunch in the second half of that game. Oh oh yeah, and this is what you know their opponents do. They just lay. And and Boston College did the same thing. Now I was on NC State plus seven and a half. I bought back some at the minus seven because I hated the bet later. But uh, or sorry, Wake Forest. That so I I ended up cashing the bigger end of that. But you know I I want to I want to bet Florida State, but that's just the dog in me that wants to bet Florida State here. And there's reasons why I, I wrote down, you know, why I'm not going to do this. I, I think that Clemson's, you know, defense is very legit again. You know, um, they have, uh, I think they're ranked like eighth in EPA or something, fourth in rush EPA. They're 16th in success rate. Um, now the semis do have a net yards per play advantage of plus one. But they haven't faced a defense like Clemson. Um, Florida State, the way they're successful is they establish the run. When you're playing Clemson, you can't really do that. So you almost fall into their package of, uh, you know, having their safeties jump the routes and picking and just it, it falls into that big mess, you know. And I'm afraid about that. Um, I wouldn't. It, here's the thing: I don't give a shit about the spread about three, three and a half, four and a half. I think if I was going to bet this game, I would have to take a money line bet on Florida State, which is probably about plus 160. Yeah, I don't think the spread's even going to come into factor, meaning uh, Clemson wins, but Florida State covers. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Clemson's either going to blow them or beat them by 10-plus points, or I think Florida State's going to win this game, and that's all I got here. I tried to come up with a good number. My number on the power rating is four. I have Clemson minus four. Do you have something better than me? On this one, uh, I have Clemson minus seven, and I will gladly uh, fade the Knolls. Uh, if you could buy the half point from the from three and a half to the key number of three, I obviously uh, suggest you do so. The Semis had a cute September; uh, got pretty fortunate out in uh, in New Orleans. Uh, LSU muffed a couple of punts, and then that extra point debacle and then uh the louisville game they trailed most of the way but i mean they should get credit for those wins they did they did win them and uh uh louisville even with uh jordan travis out they won but uh you know that was very close to not being a 4-0 september uh, knew they'd get beat the last two weeks now i don't know what in the hell dave doran and mike norvell were doing late in the fourth quarter last week they're both just complete imbeciles i've never seen a coach like dave doran uh his kickers four for four for the night had made a 53 yard field goal two possessions of four i mean forget my bet that's why i'm extra sour about it but forget that i was on nc state minus three you're up by two your kickers four of four on the night 
He just made a 53-yarder two possessions before. There's 425 left, and you're on the 35-yard line for a 52-yard field goal, and you punt it? And then Norvell, uh, they were on the 22, second down, less than a minute. It would be a 39-yard field goal, but you can get closer on the second and third down, run the ball, hopefully get five more yards. Maybe you bust a long one for a touchdown, and then you kick a short field goal. I know FSU's kicker had been struggling, but he buried that 47-yarder right before the half, Like, and then he throws it and you get an interception. Uh, these coaches, Kiev, uh, how do they get these jobs? I mean, I've known how to do clock management, and they, they have to have a douchebag chart for their, when you go for two. I've known when to go for two since I was playing video games in second grade. You don't need a chart to know common sense when you go for two and, oh, the analytic this, the analytic that. These people drive me nuts, man. I don't know what's wrong with them. I, who hires these people and pays them more than mil, a million dollars per year, in many cases, many millions per year, when they don't even know when to go for two? They don't They don't know. Oh, it drives me bonkers. Well, they're usually former players, and then, you know, maybe they weren't even that good, and then they, you know, jump right into a system being young. And, uh, you know, they don't really – they're not making those decisions until they become a head coach. <laughs> they're just thinking about plays, you know. I mean, Daniel Hackett, like, like yeah. the first time he's ever head coach. Oh, let me set up for a sixty-four yard field goal, the second longest in NFL history. That sounds like a very prudent plan. Jeez. I mean, if they just bet on some games like us, they'd be able to understand the importance of this shit, man. God. Well, what about these moron owners and GMs that don't hire us to be their clock management guys? I mean, God, huge, dumbass. Mi- huge miss on their part, my friend. Huge. Miss, but it sounds like you are going to be playing Clemson here, and I got to—I'm upset with Clemson. I, I have uh, NC State winning that side. I think I'm pretty screwed here. So as a fan, I'll probably have to root for Florida State. I just think that—I I think that Clemson is just. They, let's say they get to the playoffs because they win their easy schedule. They get blown out by one of the top three teams. Absolutely blown out. I would rather see Tennessee make it or freaking or uh, Texas or Penn State or Michigan. You know, I, I don't want to see Clemson there, man. I don't, I don't want to see them in the playoff either, but uh, I don't want to see them go down this weekend. Another <laughs> thing, they're probably going to get Brian Breesey back. They're, uh, well, he got hurt last year, so he wasn't an All-American last year. I think he was an All-American as a freshman. But anywho, uh, he's an All-American level player for sure. And then Trayshawn Ward, FSU star running back. They haven't ruled him out, um, but he had on like a little shower cap thing like he was about to go into surgery on Instagram the other day. I I, I don't know if he's going to be able to play. They've got several other starters that are banged up. They're a good defensive tackle, Fabian Lovett being one of them. So uh, I think Clemson's in a little better shape health-wise. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think they are too. Let's move on to the Big Ten, buddy. Penn State versus Michigan. I'm looking right now. I wrote down the wrong total. I had 52.5. Somebody nailed the under hard. It's at 50.5 now. The total, or, or the side minus seven, Michigan, 50.5. I have a play on this one, Brian. I'm going to let you go first to see if we align or see if you have anything. So I have not played it yet. But uh, in my bet CFB pod that I recorded earlier today with Vison's Mitch Moss, I think Mitch about, uh, just about talked me into Penn State. I know they're off that bad performance and non-cover against Northwestern. They fumbled four times. It was a, a bad uh, weather game. 
Uh, but the spot favors them. They've had uh, two weeks to prepare. They've got the uh, revenge angle after losing uh, by four uh, in uh, Happy Valley last year. They did win their last trip uh, to the big house, albeit in that uh, COVID year. But they were 0-5 going into that game. They were underdogs and won by double digits. Um, and, uh, you know, you just look at Michigan this year. I mean, I don't care what they did against Colorado State, Hawaii, and Connecticut. I mean, to their credit, they scored 50-plus. They held Hawaii to 10, uh, Colorado State to 7, and bageled uh, UConn. But then they, you know, were, were fortunate to get out of the Maryland game with an outright victory at home. Uh, I was uh, Dark Ages offense, was even threatening a backdoor cover uh, in that game late. or uh, I think they had two possessions uh, right there seemingly on the fringe of the red zone here the last five or six minutes Iowa did. Uh, and then the game with Indiana was close last week, late third quarter, and it was a misleading final with Michigan winning 31-10. to 10. Um, Not that I'm, like, infatuated with Penn State, but the spot favors them. They've got the revenge angle. Two weeks uh, uh, rest. Uh, you know, because I had not decided to play it yet, I have not even taken a look at injuries yet. I do need to see that. Um, but uh, – and Penn State is also uh, 2-0 and both straight up and against the spread on the road this year. They pulled that one out at Purdue and uh, and smashed Auburn. So I'm, I definitely lean Penn State and might play Penn State. Okay, okay. You know, um, my numbers, unfortunately, from a power rating, has Michigan minus 8, and I scratch my head a little bit. I kind of wonder why. It's just... Efficiency, efficiently, Michigan's been good, but their strength of schedule sucks. Uh, 111th. They didn't play anybody, I guess, until Maryland. And let's face it, Maryland's got an offense, but they really don't have the defense. And uh, if they play a teams with that can play defense, they get beat up. You know, um, Michigan, you know, because of that strength of schedule, top five in offensive efficiency, top eight in EPA. Uh, it, it, their numbers are going to show really good, and that's probably right the reason why I, I have them such a big favorite. But I still lean Penn State on this side. But more importantly, I'm going to play the under, and I played it at a better number than this. I, it went away from me for a little bit, which was scratching my head and up to 52 and a half. But you know, I think I had 51 and a half down to 50 and a half now as I'm talking. But these two teams are all about their defense, and uh, both teams are top 14 in defensive EPA. Uh, Tempo-wise, Penn State 79th, Michigan 119th in tempo. You know, uh, A spell an underplay from Kiev. That's right, my man. I mean, the under is 5-1 and one in Nittany Lions' last six games after scoring less than 20 points their previous game, but the under in the Wolverines is 6-1 and one straight up over the last seven games. This is just going to be ugly. It's going to be some field goals, some missed field goals. I see them tighten up in the red zone. What I really like is uh, the strength of Penn State's secondary. It's going to be a chess match. I love the under here. I would take this under down to 47, man. Uh, I'm taking the under for two and a half stars, my friend. Well, it was 38 combined last year, 44 the year before. So I I can't uh, argue any uh, differently than that. All right, good stuff. So the under 50 and a half, I still like it down to 40. I'm going to say 48 just to be on the safe side. I don't want, well, I'm seeing a couple of 51 and a halves right now. Yeah, yeah. Find the best number, shop around. Um, 
We'll say 48 so I don't get any flack from people on Twitter if they uh, win by 47 or something. But uh, there you go. Uh, this, this is just a Big Ten classic smash mouth trenches type matchup. I'm excited to watch it on another TV while I'm watching Alabama versus Tennessee, my man. The Vols having a hell of a season. They're plus seven and a half. The total is 65 and a half. I have a play this game, Brian, but I'm going to tell you, I got burned by Alabama against Arkansas, and that was just Arkansas completely choking that spread away. I was so freaking pissed. Me down too. by five points. Well, they were down by, you know, five. Going for two. About 12. Oh, they were going for two. They messed it up. You're thinking, yeah, you're fine. Then two, like, 70-yard runs later by, what was his name, Riggs? Three. Three, three 70-yard oh, runs. Okay, uh, okay. Either way, you're like, how does this shit happen? You know, it feels like whenever I fade Ohio State or like Alabama, it, it, this happens. But Tennessee, a much better team this year. What are your thoughts on this one? Well, I can't have a play until I know what's going on with Bryce Young. I mean, I'll, I'll kind of speculate here. Uh, are you seeing seven and a half in most spots right now? Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, DraftKings. So, yeah, so I, I think that. That's a bit of a hedge by the books. Um, I, I think that if Bryce is downgraded to out, I think it will go below the key number of seven. I think it'll probably go to at least six, maybe even smaller. And I think if Bryce Young doesn't play, I think Tennessee's got a pretty good chance of uh, pulling the upset and winning this game outright. Uh, if Bryce plays, I suspect the, the line will shoot up uh, to around 10. Um, that's just me speculating. Um and uh, now I will point out that Tennessee's defense looked a lot better last week, but in general, they're not that good. And they've got their four-year starter, McCullough, who, unless the charges are downgraded from a felony, he's going to be out. And Cedric Tillman's not going to play. I know he's uh, – or there may – I don't know if he's been officially ruled out, but I can tell you he's officially not going to play. He, um, he, he will be 25 days out from tightrope surgery on uh, Saturday – which Tua played in 2019 against LSU when he was 20 days out from tightrope surgery. But Tua, you know, 75% of the or 80% of the plays, all he had to do was hand off or catch the pass and shotgun, maybe take one or two drops and just throw it on the plays he didn't have to scramble. And when he did scramble, you saw him struggle that game. Even the first uh, red zone trip, he had like nobody between him and the end zone for like 10 yards, and he just fumbles the ball out of nowhere. And, um, but, but, you know, Tillman with that same injury, even with five extra days rest, I mean, he's got to run routes or block every single play. So it's a totally different animal for a receiver. So they're not going to have their best receiver, their best cover corner, got a season ending injury three weeks ago. And now their four year starter at safety McCullough is, I would say 95% chance not going to play unless that those charges are downgraded to a misdemeanor. So, uh, those are some bad things for Tennessee, but look, if Milrow uh, gets the start and Bryce can't go, we saw him get really exposed to this lack of passing ability last week. Now, he gets still a spectacular runner, probably better runner than Jalen Hurts was, and certainly a way better runner um, than Bryce is, although Bryce is, is, is pretty quick and whatnot. But um, So, yeah, we'll see. Um Right now, it's just all a big pass for me until I know what's up with Bryce. So for me, 
I think that this number factors in Bryce playing. And, I mean, the reason that is is because I looked at a lot of, like, general power ratings. I mean, playing for the most part. I mean, if you look at team rankings, for example, and it's a popular one, right? It's not like um, it's the go-to power rating, but they're, they're a popular one. It has Alabama 33 points better than the average team, and it has... Uh, Tennessee, number five, at 22 points better than the average team. So you give three for home field advantage, it's eight, right? And so, uh, you know, I suppose you, you, you penalize Alabama a little bit for Bryce being out, so maybe it's nine or ten, you know, nine and a half, you know, if, if you're really going to look into how these efficiency numbers came up with team rankings. But in my, in my opinion, if Bryce Young is out, I think this thing drops big time. I think it goes past the seven. I think it goes past the six. And it wouldn't shock me if it went down to three and a half if Bryce is out here. Um, so if you're thinking you want to bet this game, or, I mean, what would you rather risk at going to 10 when there's really not a big percentage change from seven and a half to 10? Or would you rather risk taking the seven and a half? The thing goes down to three and a half. Look at, look at how much uh, you gained in percentage from your bet right there. You know, so I actually took Tennessee. I, I think Bryce Young probably does play, so I'm not going to lie about that. But the dude is hurt. You know, he's 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 hindered. But it's almost the same thing as when I played Arkansas. It's Alabama will lay down a bit. You know, they they laid down last year against LSU. They lost to Texas A&M. You saw them against Texas A&M on the backup last week. It didn't look that good. Uh, there's another close game they played recently. Last year against Florida was very close. Uh, at Auburn, and Auburn out of their ass. Sure. I think a lot of that has to do with Bill O'Brien's play calling on the road, where he's sending guys in motion, and Bryce is calling audibles. And all. I mean, don't dude, just line up and run the football, dude. I've never liked Bill O'Brien in the NFL, so I know he's a saving guy right now. But you know, maybe that's where Paul Chris needs to go to save his career. Be an offensive coordinator for Nick Saban. There you go. He'll, uh, <laughs> he'll be hired anytime after that. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. I'll take that job. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you know, the good thing for the Vols, Bama's going to probably have to run the ball to set up the pass. Um, Tennessee's weakness is against the pass. They're uh, down two defensive backs. They give up over 300 yards passing per game. Alabama's got the net yards per play advantage over Tennessee by 1.7. But the, the Vols do rank in advanced metrics a little bit better than Alabama. Fifth in EPA margin, Alabama seventh in EPA margin. Um, my power ratings have Alabama minus six, and that's just kind of where it stands today. So I was okay with taking the seven and a half. Uh, call me crazy, man, but um, I, I, I think this, this, is such, this is just a much bigger game for the way Tennessee's been waiting to be good for freaking years. Bama's good Hinden, every year, you know. Hendon Hooker is legit, man, and I think he will rise to the uh, uh, occasion. I just I worry about Tennessee's defense, and I worry about Jameer Gibbs' speed. I know Tennessee's been solid against the run, and I would expect them if Milrose under center to stack that box big time because Alabama's receivers are just not. Um, I mean, JoJo Earl being back helps a little. I don't even know if he's really 100% yet. I mean, he, he made a play or two last week. But uh, uh, and I don't know. They 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 ruled Harold. you know, the transfer from Louisville who hadn't played all year. Uh, Bama buddy was telling me last week he was going to be ready. Um, he's still on the injury report, though, so I don't, I don't know. I'd have to look into that. But 
Again, right now this one's a pass for me, but yeah, Alabama's receivers just don't scare you, which is more a testament to just how unfathomably nasty they were at receiver. I mean, they had on the same team, Rugs, Judy. I mean, it was just an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, it's not that that, that way this year. They're only 8.1 yards per attempt. That's Tennessee's weakness. They want to attack Tennessee. They do it through the air, and they're only 54th in pass EPA. That's where... I think the uh, Tennessee has the advantage, and Tennessee's been great against the run, you know, for the yeah. in, in general. They're not going to be running Bryce Young. He's hurt. You know, they're, they're not going to take too many chances with him. They can afford this. <clears throat> Alabama can afford this loss, too. You know, they can. Uh, now sure. that now that they beat Texas A&M, Arkansas is looking terrible. I guess Ole Miss, you a little bit worried about, but, you know, uh, they could afford this. Um, and I think they get Ole Miss at home this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh Oh, uh, no, 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 oh, no, no. Oh, Alabama okay. has to go to the Grove with Ole Miss two weeks to prepare, and Alabama is on the road at LSU the week before. And don't – I mean, we just saw A&M go toe-to-toe with them at Bryant-Denny. Mississippi State's better than A&M, which we saw a couple weeks ago. And, and Mississippi State's in Tuscaloosa next week. That's true. There's a lot of tough games coming here. Um, but, you know, Ole Miss. Georgia and Alabama are both going to lose, I think. I'm excited for the Egg Bowl this year during Thanksgiving. Oh, that's going to be fun. Yeah, that will be a great oh, one. Uh, yeah, you know where Georgia's going to lose, right? Uh, it's against Florida? <laughs> well, maybe. Maybe. No, they're going to lose in Starkville. Okay. All right. Well, it's, it's, a week, it's the week after Tennessee and the week before Kentucky. Oh, okay. Just kind of sitting right in the middle, just an ugly. And, and I, and I, dude, I will say that uh, Mississippi State is fantastic this year. Um, I was on them big, four star play at minus two. I should have bought back at four and a half, but I did for like half or a little less than half even uh, on the uh, Texas A&M. But yeah, man. I mean, this is a ugly spot to play mississippi state tennessee then mississippi state then Kentucky. i hope so i want chaos dude bring me some chaos here oh and mississippi state prior to hosting georgia after the alabama game next week they have the october 29th weekend off and then they host auburn should be an easy game and then they get georgia so i think that spot sets up beautifully for mississippi state and the Ole miss spot sets up beautifully for the rebels against alabama certainly does my friend can't wait for that i love tennessee plus three seven and a half just con just because my numbers agree with it and you're going to get that benefit if bryce young is hindered or out through all those key numbers usc versus utah man this is so many damn good games this weekend i am so excited for my nightcap here to watch this utah minus three and a half the total is 65 i have a question for you brian what is Utah's home field advantage at night? Oh, maybe a tad more than most. I mean, maybe three and a half or four. Um, Dude, I've, right, I've calculated this at five before, man. Okay. Uh, they have just been sick. I'm not going to. I'm I, not going to. This is, I didn't bet this yet. I plan on betting it. Um this is just going to be wonderful. It's perfect. USC is getting through some teams. A lot of it's with smoke and mirrors, in my opinion. They only outgained Washington State by 53 yards last week. 
Uh, Washington State got hosed on a couple catches that the refs were. You're just like, what are you doing? They they are seriously the Oklahoma of the Pac-12 now. They're complete with Lincoln Riley. It happened that fast, my man. But I mean, they are not. I I don't think they're quite as tuned up as a team like Utah. Now I know Utah bad on the road, and I was on UCLA last week. I had UCLA. Very, very, uh, I had them on the money line. I had UCLA plus four and a half. I thought UCLA was going to win this game, and they did. But that almost makes it more perfect for betting Utah here. People are a little down on Utah. I think if they if they beat UCLA, you might see minus six here. Um, U- USC not only last week let down, they covered the spread somehow. They should have. Uh, it should have been a much closer game. They should have lost in Corvallis, dude, against Oregon State. Oh, you know, yeah, they should have. I mean, golly, they, they intercepted them what four times and still only won by three. I know, I know. You sh- and then you've seen what Utah just did to Oregon State. Utah, like I said, had their hiccups. They were the better team against the Gators. Sorry, Brian. They were the better team, and you know that. But they, but the Gators won because they won, and they were. We had the best player on the field, Anthony Richardson. <laughs> I think so right. Kevin Rising. What are you doing? Throwing that ball? A little pass interference. We had the dog on the field that night. Yeah, a little, little, little no call going on there. Well, we don't have to get into that. But uh, either way, um, Utah is still a top team, and they're in the, they're in my top ten for sure. My power ratings, even though. Even with the losses to uh, Florida and last week, but um, both these teams are very similar in offense: twelfth and eleventh in success rate. Utah has the better defense, ranking forty-sixth in success rate. USC is only a hundred second in success rate, so they've been pretty fortunate and lucky in the red zone. I think it's more about teams choking against them. The big question too for USC is Jordan Addison going to play? He's banged up. Their best receiver. Yeah. Yeah, I saw he was questionable. That is uh, a huge uh, situation, and I, I see that it says lower body, so that's one of his wheels, so that's uh, a major factor for sure. I made Utah three and a half, uh, but being in bounce-back mode, um, I lean to them, and if Jordan Addison can't go, and I actually see uh, one three has popped up, I mean, I, and I would probably buy the half point to the key number three regardless, but uh, – Slightly into Utah. I don't, I'm not saying that I'm going to be on it, but um, if Addison doesn't go and, it, and the line doesn't move, or yeah, so but it's a lean to Utah. Um, you know, like, like USC. I mean, you you said it. They should have lost in Corvallis. The Fresno State game. You know, they got fortunate that Hainer got hurt. The Stanford game. Stanford committed two turnovers inside the five yard line. The Rice game. They got three pick sixes. Uh, I mean, what were they the first – in September, were they like plus 18 in turnover margin? Which was, it was pretty ridiculous. So – and even Arizona State played them fairly tough, although ASU, you know, won, uh, had a big performance last week. But uh, I, yeah, I just haven't been buying into um, USC all year long, have not bought into them one bit, and uh, I think they probably get, get beat here. USC number one in turnover margin per game plus 2.3 that is not sustainable my man and just getting by some of these teams like you said and it was a lot better three weeks ago i'll, I'll lay the three and a half if i have to i would definitely much rather get a three and i'm gonna wait 
I'm going to wait for some USC jackasses to come in and some of that California money you might see on game day bring this thing down, Brian. But, man, I, I have no problem at three. I think I'm, I make this six and a half uh, at night. During the day, I make it four and a half. At night, I make it six and a half. This is a play all day. I hope not too many sharp people are listening to this because I don't want this to go away from me. But let's just say that I'm really happy with uh, – I'll be happy with laying it with Utah. It's the perfect spot. Uh, I'm curious, and not to like try to guide the combo elsewhere, but I, I, I think Arkansas is in such a, a brutal spot. It's not a night game, but it is in the same state uh, with BYU, and we don't really. Know. I think KJ Jefferson is going to play, but we don't know. But that that spot is just so awful. Do you have an opinion on that one? Uh, yeah, BYU or nothing. Um, BYU has kind of disappointed me some this year, and not to the point where. I think they're overrated coming in, but they're probably properly rated now. They're a home dog of 1.5, even with KJ Jefferson. I, you know, you see BYU beat Baylor at home. Their home field advantage is also sick. You know, just massively sick. Yeah. Arkansas at this. It helps Arkansas that it's at 1.30 mountain time, the kickoff. It, like you were talking about at night, that would be, it'd probably be chillier at night, although I haven't even looked at the weather in Provo. I mean, let me ask you this. What good, if you're, you know, coaching Arkansas, yourself, right? What what good does it to beat Brigham Young here? Uh, you know, you're, you have three losses. You have to run the table in the SEC to have a chance. This is just a freaking nuisance of a game. Plus, if you don't start K.J. Jefferson this game, you have the bye week. So you, you, you give them that much extra rest going into Auburn, you know? It's just, it's just a game where it's a new, it's a total nuisance. It's a weird spot. It's a stupid scheduling spot for SEC teams. I, I, I would never see Alabama do something like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't get on Hunter Urechek too bad though because he's got Sam Pittman and Eric Musselman is one of the best one-two uh, uh, coaching combos around. But yeah, if he was, if this wasn't scheduled, if this wasn't scheduled before he was hired. Uh, yeah, that would be the only bad thing I'd say about the AD, Arkansas AD, Hunter, you're a check, because this is a, just a gross scheduling spot. They're on an airplane for the third time in four weeks, trying to end a four-game or three-game losing streak. Um, yeah, they've had four 60-minute battles in a row. Even the Missouri State game with Petrino was a four-quarter battle. Tough, tough one for Arkansas. We'll, we'll see what happens. Very tough one. Good thing it's a day game, that's for sure. But still, uh, difficult scheduling spot. Arkansas's got talent, though. You know, I mean, they they are definitely still more talented. My, I have a straight pick them. I have a point twenty five. I think uh, uh, I have BYU's a it's a dog by a quarter of a point. So I mean, just from a power rating standpoint, I have them. But obviously, if you're fast to the gun and KJ Jefferson's not playing, you got to play BYU down up to three. You know, um, that's that's my opinion. But um, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to play, but you never know with these concussions. But, I mean, he was actually cleared to play and available last week, but I thought Sam Pittman did a, made a, a, a very quality decision not to play his guy. Right, right. It's just so funny that this week would be the week not to play him, give him that extra rest. But, you know, it's a nuisance of a game for sure. But, the, it, like I said, if Arkansas – one last week, 
it'd be a much different story. We'd be all over BYU. It's just that loss kind of throws things off a little bit, my man. Anything in the yeah, NFL, I'm... Brian, real quick? <clears throat> sure. Um, now, this is a gross game, but it's tomorrow, so that's the first one that... Uh, Don't talk about my bears mind, like that. Talk- you give me my Chicago Bears. Soldier Field behind me right there, buddy. Right, I'm gonna have some small change on the on the Bears. Uh, you know, a short week favors them. There, there's some dogs I'm interested in this week. Uh, the Giants, uh, plus five to the Ravens. Now there's definitely some injury situations uh, that I'd like to get some clarity on. Uh, actually, I'm probably gonna go ahead and play that because I think the injury situations, if they are positive for New York, might send the line down. A little bit. What's it at um, now? Another, Isn't that six now? Oh, is it at six now? I haven't looked at. I haven't looked at NFL lines in a couple hours. Uh, yeah, so. it, let me look here. I think it was at Jesus. Uh, why, why is it okay? Five and a half. It's it's minus five and a half, minus one fifteen on Baltimore. I draft kings. Uh, God, I'm looking at the card here. There's another dog that I like, but I'm not. You know what? I might. Well, if Pitts, if Pitts. Oh, I know the other dog. Uh, I like Seattle on oh, a heartbreaker with Seattle last week. And, uh, you know, if Pitts is upgraded, I might be interested in the Falcons. All right. The Falcons, the dirty birds here. The problem is the Niners are just good when they stay in there. And I mentioned that earlier in the podcast. I actually have some line value myself on this one. But if uh, the problem with the Niners is that they're very good when they stay on the East Coast, at least trend-wise. Now you can take that with a grain of salt, but uh, it just seems like they're they're more put together. Now they are injured, so that's one of the fade points here. The Niners did get injured a couple secondary last game. Mm-hmm. They're already um, out there. Uh, one of their linebackers, Aziz Ojulari, I believe, Uh Oh no! Wait, sorry, that's different. Aziz Al Shair, and uh, he's he's on injury reserve, so they're already down him. And then they lost. Uh, Bosa's questionable. Um, Emmanuel Mosley is the one that took a big hit, and he's a good cornerback there. But the question is: is uh, are they going to be able to get the quarterback fast enough where the cornerbacks aren't going to matter? I don't know. Jimmy Ward uh, has a broken left hand. Their other cornerback, they're massively banged up. So it's it's like you think about buying San Fran because of the trend, but man, these injuries just don't line up that well. They Brian, yeah, no, I um I agree, I agree uh, with you there. By the way, I looked up the weather in uh, Provo uh, in Arkansas is catching a monster break uh, because it's a low of thirty nine at night. But with it kicking at one thirty Mountain Time, it's mostly sunny in the afternoon and a high of seventy. So I think Arkansas is going to be fine with the temperature. Yeah. Wow, what a massive break! They're catching a thirty degree temperature break because of the kickoff time. Totally, my goodness. Well, you know, uh, that's just it's it's an intriguing game. Might stay away from it. I have uh, some other avenues to check out. So yeah, you know, definitely like. Here's the thing. The Bears, my numbers say to bet them. I think it's a high-variance game myself, so I might have some pizza money on the Bears as a fan and uh, just because my numbers kind of say so. But it wouldn't shock me to see the better quarterback, at least right now. Carson Wentz, as bad as he is, he's still better than uh, Fields until Fields learns the coaching systems and everything. 
So that's the way I go. But let's also talk quick about the biggest UFC event in a while, 280 coming up here. He's a, our buddy Gam Lou was just tweeting at me earlier about this one. We're oh, gonna- I know he ch- loves Chucky Olives in this fight. Oh, he does, man. I'm not so sure I do myself, but what, what is your thoughts on this big event? Islam Makachev versus Charles Oliveira. And this thing went all the way down to minus 150 for Islam. Now it's back up to like minus 165. But, uh, I mean, I've been waiting for this. I, I've been waiting for Islam to get a a title shot for two years now, dude. So, yeah, you know, um, so I, um, I wish I was holding the ticket that G Lou's holding. I mean, did he like, did he have like a plus two sixty ticket? No, he's got, he's got plus one ninety five, which is great because it's plus one forty now. You know, I mean, he's got some massive, I thought he had one better than that. My fault. He's got some, uh, he could, um, I'm I'm gonna have some lunch with him here in the next couple days, but uh, oh, I forget you are in the same town. That's yeah, right. we're not too far from each other, but uh, we had lunch nice. once already, and I'd love to go to an event with him. But no, it's I mean this card is completely stacked. I mean, Aljamain Sterling versus Dillashaw is awesome. Peter Yan versus Sean O'Malley is oh, I like O'Malley as a big uh, dog in that. Fight. It's one. He's plus one forty-five. You like him by KO, probably. Oh no, and sorry, no, he's plus two fifty. But by KO, whoa, 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 whoa. O'Malley was plus three twenty-five a few weeks back. I got him at plus, uh, I think, plus three ten. Well, O'Malley better knock Jan out because Jan is the much better ground guy, and uh, we'll see if uh, that happens. You know. So- oh wow! Oh, I see some. Um, yeah, you're right. Most books are down to the plus two. 45 to plus 260 range. Wow. Yeah, I got a better number like several weeks back. Okay. Well, I mean, Benil Dariush versus Mateus Zgamrat is awesome. Uh, this card is loaded, man. Uh, who else? We, we got Bilal Mohammed facing Sean Brady. Uh, Vulcan Uzdemir. Yeah, that's a good fight, too. Uzdemir versus um, Nikita Krylov. You got Chow Boralo. Uh, you know, this is just, I mean, there's just so much good, so many good fighters here, man. It's crazy. Uh, oh, Krylov and Ozdemir? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be fun. And that's on the prelims, man. It's just, this is just one that you take a little break from college football maybe and uh, and get this event here, or at least watch the prelims, then make your decision. I, I'll i be watching for sure. But, I mean, I'm sorry. I got Islam, man. I, he's going to win this. And I'm going to take him to win it. And I'm going to take him to win inside the distance. Uh, I love Charles. And I and here's the thing. I've been feigning Charles, and I've been getting my ass kicked. Why stop now? I, I may, I'm going to get my ass kicked one more time and bet the guy I've been waiting to have a title shot that I think is the best pound-for-pound pound fighter right now. No John Jones, you know. So uh, yeah. I, I just think that Islam is the, is the truth here. I think he's possibly as good as Khabib. You know, I mean, we, we don't know, but uh, Habib hasn't had a ton of title fights either. You remember, he kind of retired a little early. So, um, Islam is him. You know, he fights for Eagle. So, I, I just think that Islam is. Ch- Charles has had some bad losses, and then he just got way better. And he's beaten guys that I highly respected. You know, just like your boy uh, Gaethje. And uh, yeah. Chan- Chandler was an interesting KO. Chandler had his ass wobbled, too. Yeah. Uh, and then he's, you know, he sub Poirier, but Poirier fell into that. Uh, Dustin, Dustin and Gaethje were both kicking his ass. I know. 
I know. It's and just. It's, well, it's, but Charles, Charles has gotten a better chin, which normally doesn't happen as you become a better or age or a you know a older fighter. Your chin doesn't normally get better. His chin's gotten better, and he packs more power with his with his. Uh, I mean, that actually is what. I mean, Gaethje had dropped him what three times and bloodied him up pretty bad, but then it was actually Oliveira dropping him that led to the submission. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Oliveira's got great stand up too. I mean, Oliveira's a great fire. It, it, he proved me oh, wrong. Yeah. It's just that Islam, I think, is just the truth. I think he is the division. I that's that's what I think. So I mean, if I was making yeah. the, if I was making the line, I'd put I'd make Islam minus three hundred minus three fifty. I would. I I get my ass kicked because I get a bunch of Charles money. I'd all of a sudden have to probably make a bet at another book <laughs> to cover my my bookie ass. But it, I just think that Islam is uh, going to win this one. So that's my play. Um, and I'll, and I'll play a little bit for less, probably half the size on him inside the distance as well. Maybe a third of the size. You know, you want to keep some profit in case this somehow does go five rounds. I'd be shocked if this goes five rounds. But I'll tell you this. Um, it, I, I've never seen Islam in a compromising situation. And maybe maybe the neck hunter there, maybe he finds his neck. Maybe somehow Charles gets the rear naked choke. I don't know. That'd be interesting. What What about if one of them misses Wade and Volkanovski jumps in? Now, how interesting uh, would that be? I see that. Uh, no, they asked Benil Dariush to be on on uh, pause for this. From what I read, maybe I was maybe what I read. No, no, no. yes, yes. It was either I think it was yesterday. Uh, Volkanovski. It's on all the websites. Volkanovski oh. tweeted it out. He's the official backup, and then I saw he's one forty five. Huh? He's a weight class down. He's one forty five. Well, you remember after his last win, he said he wanted to go up to one fifty five, and yeah. Dana said that's cool. And remember, he had the wrist; he had to have wrist surgery, and he just got cleared. And he's he's the backup this weekend. Okay, because I know that they asked Benil to be a backup. Maybe they would move some around. Like say, you know, Charles has been known to miss weight. You know, so maybe he right. maybe misses by ten freaking pounds like uh, Kaz, Kamzad Chimaev just freaking did. What the hell yeah. was that? That completely threw me up uh, off, man. Well, I, I just see the doctors made him stop. He was getting sick, and they just they made him stop. Oh, That's why he yeah. was so off. They they told him they they shut him down. Like he he would have keep kept going. Now he should have got um, that big in the first place. Then Jesus, you know that's his own fault. You know, you shouldn't have to cut twenty some freaking pounds. Well, twenty five yeah, pounds in a he week. He said that they. Or his. This is what he said. He said that they were originally going to do the fight at a later date, and so when they moved it up a little bit, I don't even know if that was accurate though. But whatever. Yeah, my man. Well, I cannot wait for this one, Brian. Thank you so much for coming on the show, talking some college yeah, football with me. It's a great week for it. Uh, where could our listeners find your great information and plays? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Vegas uh, B Edwards. Uh, you can uh, find my content uh, at MajorWager.com, and I'm doing a new podcast uh, with the Vegas Insider. Um, it is called the Bet CFB Pod. You were a guest uh, with me a couple weeks back, and um, it, it drops every Monday morning and every Thursday morning. So tomorrow morning it'll drop. Uh, Veasan's Mitch Moss, the co-host of Follow the Money, with. Um, Paulie Howard was my guest. Uh, today we are already recorded. Um, and I say it drops every Monday morning, except for this coming weekend, because we're all going to be out of town. So it'll drop this coming Tuesday morning. But tomorrow morning, that being uh, Thursday, the uh, 13th, 
Uh, you can listen to Mitch Moss and I break down the uh, card if any of your listeners want to check that out. Appreciate you having me as always, Kiev, and uh, great, good luck to you and your listeners this weekend. Heck yeah. Make sure you guys check out Mr. Brian Edwards. Now it is time for The Sharp Side of the Force. The Sharp Side of the Force is brought to you by Betfred.com. For $250 worth of free bets, please visit Betfred. Use the promo code OD22, terms, conditions, and location apply. All right, my friends, Sharp College Football Week 7 line movement as of October 12th this afternoon. Sharp money on Western Michigan, plus three down to plus 1.5, hosting Ohio, 66% of the tickets and 87% of the money. Sharp money on Western Kentucky, minus six and a half to minus eight at Middle Tennessee State, 86% of the tickets and 97% of the money. Sharp money on Wisconsin, minus three to minus seven and a half at Michigan State, 84% of the tickets and 97% of the money. Sharp money on East Carolina, minus four to minus five and a half, hosting Memphis, 17% of the tickets and 66% of the money. Sharp money on San Jose State, minus four to minus eight at Fresno State, 51% of the tickets and 94% of the money. Sharp totals, NC State versus Syracuse, under 44.5 to 42, 75% of the tickets and 86% of the money. Sharp money on Northern Illinois versus Eastern Michigan, over 62 to 66, 41% of the tickets and 68% of the money. Sharp money on Wisconsin versus Michigan State, over 42.5 to 49.5, 53% of the tickets, 90% of the money. Sharp money on Stanford versus Notre Dame, over 48 to 53, 49% of the tickets and 91% of the money. And sharp money on Air Force versus UNLV, under 53.5, to 50, 50% of the tickets and 90% of the money. Sharp NFL, you're looking at week six here. The Jets, plus nine and a half, down to plus seven at the Packers. 55% of the tickets, 64% of the money. Sharp money of Falcons, plus six and a half, down to plus five and a half, hosting Niners. 35% of the tickets, 84% of the money. Sharp NFL totals. Commanders versus Bears, under 40.5, percent of the tickets and 83% of the money. Sharp money on the Jaguars versus Colts under 44 to 42.5, 76% of the tickets and 98% of the money. Sharp money on the Patriots versus Browns over 41.5 to 43.5, 75 of the tickets and 84% of the money. Sharp money on the Cardinals versus Seahawks over 48 to 50.5, 48% of the tickets, 70% of the money. This was at 51.5, 52. It went down a little bit. My friends, thank you so much for listening to this show. If you have any questions for our Monday mailbag, please email us at info at theoddsbreakers.com. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the games this weekend and go get some winners. <laughs>